Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church and Metro Church Online. Great to have you with us again. This is the second in our Grow uh, Nights and I just love the opportunity to be able to share with you. Uh, I think one of the great joys of life is being able to watch people grow. There's a reason why so many of us love gardening and stuff like that, because we get an opportunity to see something increase. And last month, I spoke in our first growth session on resilience and strength and building your bounce back. And uh, I think that's so important that we become people that grow in life, as we would have heard last week from uh, Ash and Deb Schofield about building resilience in the families. Resilience doesn't have to be something that either you're born with or you don't have. It can be something that you develop in your life. Matter of fact, I'd go so far as to say most of us, our resilience is not a God-given gift. It's not something that just landed on us. It's not something we just grew up with, but someone somewhere had a part in forming that within us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, one of his chief jobs is not to turn you into a preacher or to lay you down with all these beautiful spiritual gifts. The Bible says it's to form Christ within us. And to form Christ within us is not something that uh, is only in the space of church life. That's the big mistake so many people make is they put God in a Sunday box or God in a church building box rather than understanding that it's about who I am and it's about all that I am that God wants to develop in our lives. So I'm praying that these very practical sessions are going to help you to develop that in your life. I'd encourage you to listen to them, not just once, but they stay up on YouTube anyway, on Metro Church WA. That's our channel there. And you can go back and listen to them again and again and again. Sometimes it's the third time you hear it that you go, ah, now I see what that was about and allow that to get built inside of your life, I think is a powerful thing. We want to build our bounce back in our life. Um, I believe that the greatest strategy for resilience is building it before you need it, before the crisis or the pressure arrives in life. So many people have never given much thought to their inner life until a crisis arrives in their world, a health challenge of some kind or other, and all of a sudden they're scrambling to try and become the kind of person who, who can believe God and who discovers the promises of God. I, I think that's one of the saddest things. I've had people talk to me about a wayward son or daughter who, you know, they had no real time for investing into the values and the convictions that matter until all of a sudden they desperately need them. You know, you don't want to be building health in your life uh, when the surgeon says to you, you know, you've got to change or you're going to die. You want to be building that now in the easier times rather than in the hard ones. Of course, some of us don't have that luxury. Maybe you're in a place right now where circumstances or pressures have arisen that you didn't foresee and you were unequipped for. Well, the good news is that whether you're riding the wave of success or whether you feel like you're being swamped by a tsunami of pressure, it's always now that's the best time to build your inner strength. That's for sure. 
In May 2021, the BBC, that's the national broadcaster of Great Britain, of course, they aired a documentary that was entitled, What Are We Feeding Our Kids? And it's a fairly unusual storyline. A 42-year-old doctor named Chris Van Tulken. He ate only junk food for an entire month. And the results of that not only shocked him, but all the experts. Dr. Van Tulken not only put on six kilograms in those uh, few 28 days, but his medical data was the equivalent of someone 10 years older than where he was. He said this, my brain was affected similarly to someone taking addictive drugs. Think about that a minute. It was for a TV documentary about the kind of foods that people take in. This is not what this session's about, but it very much is about the kind of inputs that you and I have in our life in exactly the same way as our physical body is not designed to cope with a poor diet. It's not designed to cope with sugars and fats without there being some kind of exercise and burning off of those things. Your body is designed as a, a finely tuned machine, not as a, some old rattle trap. And exactly the same way, the new life that Christ has given you, remember 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, if any person be in Christ, they're a new creature. Well, the new creature is designed to run on the kind of things that God has set aside that make it work best. If you start living your life, as it were, on spiritual or soulish junk food, in other words, you just let come whatever comes. I've never met a person yet who ever sat out and said, I'm determined to become uh, you know, somebody who's unfit and out of condition. Uh, everybody I know of, well, they get there by not doing the right things in the first place. So this message is not about your food intake, but it is very much about what you feed your inner life on. We talked about this a little bit last month in making sure that we are saying the right things about ourselves. But more than that, the Bible describes the Word of God as, a, as food. For instance, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11 talks about it as being strong meat that belongs to them that of full age, even those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. The reality is that if you keep feeding your life on a diet of worry, and fear, and negativity, and helplessness, and victimhood, and hopelessness, that those things are the junk food of the soul. I'll never forget many, many years ago, I was counseling, and my wife and I were with a young woman who had a long history of self-harm and all kinds of abuse that had happened in her life. And, you know, we had prayed with her, and we counseled with her, and done all that we knew of to help her. And it seemed like nothing we did was breaking this vicious cycle that was at work in her life. Well, one time she was at our home and really it had to have been like a word of knowledge, though I don't remember feeling all that spiritual about it at the time. But I remember 
the thought occurred to me and I asked her, I said, tell me, what's the favorite genre of movies for you? What are the things you like to watch the most? Now, remember, this is a young woman who had to take all kinds of medications to sleep. It was plagued by, tortured by fear. And when I spoke to her, she said this to me. She said, oh, I love horror movies. And straight away, I thought, here are we trying to drive out or trying to bring a godly balance of peace and joy in her life when what she's feeding herself on is the exact opposite of those things. Now, I don't say that to condemn her, and we certainly weren't doing that, but we wanted to help her. And the reality was that for whatever reason, she had developed a junk food addiction to the kind of movies and the kind of television that were actually bringing destruction to her life. They were the things that continued to weaken her joy and her peace. And she never had understood that. And we were able to help her begin to see that she needed to get herself on a healthy diet. Listen, you can go to all the gym you like and do all the running and all the exercise, but if you keep eating the wrong stuff, your body is going to suffer, as Dr. Van Telken uh, certainly would tell you. Did a whole documentary on it. Aged 10 years, just in one month of eating nothing but junk food. These kind of things spiritually in your life. If you're feeding on that, some people really need to take a bit of a a check, a, a break from things like social media, where it's about comparison, what someone else is doing. Some people need to take a bit of a rain check and monitor maybe how much of the news they're watching. Not that I'm against any of those things, neither am I against entertainment at all, but make sure what it, maybe somebody else can watch that, but you can't because it'll weaken you and lower your resilience and your strength and prematurely age you in life. One of my favorite passages of the entire Bible, and one that's been a great help to me over many years, is 1 Samuel chapter 30, the first six verses. And I want to read them to you because I think they're a powerful story. These verses have so blessed me over so many years. You know, I think some people think that if you're a pastor or a preacher, then somehow or other you're God's favored ones and everything just goes right for you all the time. And they can listen to your preacher and think, well, you wouldn't know what real trouble was about. Well, let me read to you about a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he's somebody that God held up as an example of what it's like to be a follower. Listen to these words about his life. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, their home base, they found that the Amalekites, their traditional enemies, had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David had two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, who were among those captured. David himself, their leader, is now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The King James Version says in verse 6, but David encouraged 
himself in the Lord his God. I want you to notice that David encouraged himself. Only you can decide to take charge of your mind and your emotions. Listen, I meet people all the time, often, who are beset by worry, who've got great concerns, and rightly so. I mean, they're real things they're facing. But I always try to say to them, now listen, this thing, you maybe you can't change that. But the one thing you can change is what you allow to inhabit your mind. You may not be able to prevent the thought. Come on, listen, I've got to do this almost every day of my life. When something occurs, I hear this thing, this feedback comes, and maybe it's not positive, and maybe it's not uplifting, and maybe it's not encouraging. And you've got to be able to go, you know what? I'm going to take charge of that. I heard someone say this years ago, you can't stop the birds of the air flying over your head, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. Well, it might be a bit funny, but it's true. Maybe you've got some things that are around about your life at the moment. Only you can decide to take charge of your mind and your emotions. Only you can decide whether you are going to stand up or whether you're just going to give up, whether you're going to lay down and let those things keep going, or whether you're going to have a different reaction to what your emotions feel like. Understand this because David and all his men wept until they had no more power to weep. It's not as though David was untouched by the disaster. The problem that had come somehow or other was distant from him. He felt exactly what they felt. And they were in such pain that these men who loved their leader and who were followed him to through every battle, all of a sudden, this became the straw that broke the camel's back. And now they're like going, not too much, too hard. And David has now not only got the problem, but David is now abandoned by the people that have been his greatest supporters. Maybe some of you right now, maybe what's happening in your world, in your life, you feel like, you know, where are the people that were meant to be my support network? Sometimes a crisis really does identify who your friends really are. Maybe it lets you see the kind of things that uh, maybe are separating the people who are your fair-weather friends from your foul-weather friends. But understand that this is not David's first encounter with pressure. When he faces Goliath, he tells the king, he said, King, don't get worried about it. I've faced pressure before. And he refers to his previous battles with a lion and a bear. That's so important because David has learned to build on his battles. Most of us can look back over things that have happened in our life and see the hand of God was there for us, see that things that had occurred in our life that were difficult. Let's make sure that we build on our previous battles in life. Make sure that we don't just look at every problem as though some strange thing it says in First Peter has happened to us, but we build on the battles that have come our way in life. I think for every one of us, you need to build a memory bank. A friend of mine used to have what he called his book of blessing. And he would write in this book every good thing that happened to him. Um, I've only discovered in the last couple of years how many psychologists are now recommending to people that the last thing they do before they go to bed at night is to rehearse the good things that have happened to that day 
and then to look forward to have some things that uh, they are anticipating with delight for the day to come. I, I never knew about that. I just remember many, many years ago, even before Metro Church started, that there was a season of my life where I felt overwhelmed by hopelessness and by a sense of, of, of absolute pressure in my life. And there wasn't a lot of help available. Psychology was not readily available back then like it is today. And so I had to learn the hard way, and I called it developing my hope muscle. I don't know what else might be the professional term for it, but I literally would do that every night, the last thing before I'd go to sleep. I would re try and remember what God had done or some good thing that had happened that day, and they weren't always large because not every day of your life is amazing. And I tried to just remember that, and then I'd have something the next day that I could go, I'm looking for, it might be something so small. Maybe I'm going out to have coffee with somebody and I like their company. It could be something small, didn't have to be large, because I find when people get crushed by life, what they really need to do is to strengthen an atrophied or withered muscle. Many years ago, I broke this arm. Uh, playing basketball and cracked uh, one of the bones longitudinally here. And they put my arm in plaster for, oh, about six to eight weeks. And uh, I remember it being immobilized. And when they took that plaster cast off, the thing I remember most was feeling how weak my arm seemed. After only six or eight weeks of not using this arm, it was amazing how much strength I lost. And it took some weeks again to begin to rebuild that. In the same way, when pressures crowd in, when stuff happens in our life, we need to begin to rebuild the hope muscle in our life. Start developing that. It's, it's actually, you don't even have to wait for a problem. Start doing that on a regular basis. Remind yourself that the God who saved me is the God who helps me that the God who began me. Philemon says this, acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ. It says this in Philippians, he that's begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. So remember the good work he started. Remember how God's helped you and then begin to build that and look forward to what God has for you in your future. Build on your battles. Allow the things that happen to you to remind you and to point you back to look what God did in my life. But the second thing that I think can help every one of us, well, let me just show you. This here is hematite. Apparently, that's the geologist's name for old-fashioned iron ore. This is quite heavy. Big thank you to Mike at the Department of Mines, by the way, who lent me this sample out of his personal collection. And he was telling me with great joy what a beautiful specimen this rock is. I'd never picked up a piece of iron ore. And seriously, this thing weighs like a house brick weight. It's quite heavy. This one is from uh, a remote area of Western Australia. So uh, thanks, Mike, for that. That's iron ore. Over here, I have a table leg. It's also made of iron, cast iron. Big thank you to Michael Ephraims. This was a leg of a table that he lent me. It's cast metal. That is the same substance as that. Here 
I have a US Marines cavalry sword. And I want to thank Trevor Todd. Thank you, Trevor. This came out of his collection of dangerous implements and he lent it to me. But do you know that this iron ore and this iron and this all contain exactly the same element. They're the same basic substance, but the difference between them is the way they have responded to heat and pressure. I better put this away because it's actually quite sharp. The reality is that this iron ore, this raw material, just is. And you know, like I know, there's an awful lot of people who just, well, they just are. They stay the same, hoping that adversity will just stop. We call it fatalism. It's that attitude that says, ah, oh, well, not much I can do about it. As one of the Australian prime ministers famously said, life's not meant to be easy. And they're the kind of people who never really change. The Bible at one point talks about uh, some of the enemies of God who had never been changed. Despite all the change that came, they remained the same. And it says that they were never poured from vessel to vessel. And as a result of that, they had remained the same all the way through. You know, people who, if you come to them 20 years later, same attitudes, same responses, same outlook in life. In other words, the stuff that comes their way doesn't really seem to make much of a difference to them. They don't get changed for the better by the things that come their way. They just remain as they are. I guess they're hoping that or thinking to themselves that life is just, well, you've just got to get through it, you know. You've just got to somehow or other grit your teeth and hang on. I've met Christians like that who don't understand that God wants their life to grow. God wants to transform. Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the changing of your mind that you may prove. And the word prove there doesn't mean to prove uh, mathematically by some theorem or by some kind of formula. It means to prove by personal experience that you may prove by personal experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, God says, I want your life to be the kind of thing where you look back and say, I've proved God here. I've shown God here. You can look at my life and see the results of faith and hope and love and their transforming power into my life. This iron ore could have been changed, but you know, no one's ever taken it and applied heat and pressure to it. Uh, someone showed me the other day the kinds of processes that this iron ore goes through, the crushing. We sing a song here in church sometimes, in the crushing, uh, God is bringing something out in our life. And uh, Corey was showing me the, the conveyor belts that progressively crush this ore down further and further. And then, you know, it goes through a second process of heating and it becomes cast metal. You can pour this. This obviously came out of a mold. Someone didn't weld that or, or, or carve it. It was cast. That's why it's called cast metal. And it's changed and it's become a lot harder. It's a lot more stable 
than this lump of iron ore is. I've been very careful with this because I didn't want it to, you know, fall on the ground because it would shatter so easily. Well, you could knock this thing over and it won't shatter. It's become hard, but it's the kind of hardness that you don't really want. I asked my friend Michael Ephraims, who's an engineer by background and for many years owned his own antique business and is quite familiar with it. I said, Michael, if I got a hammer to this and hit it hard, will it break it? He goes, oh, yeah, he said, it'll shatter because it's cast metal. And even though it's been through a process of hardening and of pressure, well, it's become quite brittle, really. And I think about all the people that I've met who've come through hardness, they've come out the other side, they've been through pressure, they've come out of the other side, but they come out with a hardness. I think of people that I know that have been through intense personal disappointment or rejection, and now they've decided to themselves, I'm no longer going to allow anyone to get close to me. I'm not going to let anyone, I've heard people say that, no one's ever going to do that again to my life. I'm going to keep people at arm's length so that I can no longer be hurt by that. Well, I know it sounds good in one sense. It sounds like you're protecting you. But the only problem with that is it makes you brittle in your soul. It's the kind of thing where there's no longer any give. And really, it doesn't take much again to shatter that hardness because you're brittle in your life. The sword, on the other hand, represents a different thing altogether. This sword has not only been through the breakdown of the uh, iron ore and through the heating, but this sword is what's called tempered steel, and it goes through a process not just of heating and cooling and of pressure, but it goes through it repeatedly until it becomes the kind of what's called tempered steel. And if you look it up, there's lots of videos about tempered steel on YouTube for sure. God's plan for your life is not to let you remain that kind of iron ore that just is and never really changes. It's not even to get you to the place where you become something that's attractive and beautiful but really it's a bit limited in how you can use it. God wants your life and mine to become more like this tempered steel, to become something that on the inside not only has strength, but you know there's a flexibility to who we are on the inside of our life. I know for some of us, maybe we've been through so much pain that it really does become a bit hard to trust even God. I've spoken with people who, when you say to them, God is your father, they'll say, well, that's not helpful because my dad was horrible. My dad is not someone that I want to think of God as. And I always say to them, listen, your earthly father is not the model of the heavenly father. The heavenly father is meant to be the example for all the fathers on the earth. And the last book of the Bible talks about, you know, the God is going to restore the heart of the fathers again to the children. God wants to restore what it truly means to be a good father back into the earth. God wants to restore what it's like to truly be a good mum or a good dad so that we can then change the way those around about us. Maybe you're a parent yourself now 
And maybe in your heart and mind, you've got, I'm never going to be like my dad was or my mum was. Don't let it just result in brittleness. Let the things that have happened in your life produce a strength without brittleness in your life. Isaiah 42 and verse 3 says, A bruised reed God won't break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth in our life. You can trust God in the difficulties that are around about your life that he'll bring you out stronger. Are you facing something right now and you feel overwhelmed by it? I would encourage you that you can trust God. You can trust God that this thing is not designed for the end of you, for the crushing of you. It's designed for the strength of you. I didn't say God sent it. I did say that God will use it to bring forth strength in your life. Decide you're going to grow from every situation that comes your way in life. I can learn out of this. I can bounce back from this. I can become resilient in this. Job chapter 23 and verse 10, that great example of what it's like to endure adversity. Job says this, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. I'm not going to be just uh, someone that exists and that continues on as they were. I'm not going to be like something that's got hard now, but still brittle. But I'm going to allow God to perfect something, bring forth something that's got beauty attached to it as well in my life in Jesus' name. Don't allow what the enemy sent for evil and to harm and to hurt. Don't allow that to be the last thing written in your story. I think every single one of us, don't we? We like a movie that's got a good ending to it. We want good to triumph. Can I encourage you that this book tells me that at the end, you and I win. To him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have sat in my father's throne, Jesus said. He talks about heaven. I saw the heavenly Jerusalem coming down from heaven as of a bride and how radiant it was and talks about heaven. I believe that's the destiny that God has for you. I believe God wants only good for you. I believe that God wants to help you. I believe that no matter what you're walking through right now, you can trust God that in the middle of all this, he'll make you stronger. He'll make you better. Maybe you're walking through the darkest, most unimaginable pain in your life. Why don't you decide right now, God, I'm going to trust you to lead me through this. The same God that was with me before the problem is the same God in the problem who's prepared something great for me on the other end of it. I really want to pray for you today. And I want to pray that Jesus will help you. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work in your life, transforming you from this little lump of raw material. will take you through into something that he's got some use, but more than that, he wants to take you through into a thing of beauty in your life as well. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person that's a part of GROW here at Metro Church Online. God, I have no idea what they're facing. Some of these people are in parts of the world where daily life is difficult, where problems are not hard to find. They're all around about. Some others, Lord, are in parts of their life that they never anticipated. Maybe they've just been through a marriage breakdown or a family challenge and they never ever imagined they'd be in this place.
They never thought this was even possible. I know that David, Lord, when he fought the lion and the bear in his father's home and their property, then fought Goliath and he was celebrating. They wrote songs about him, never imagined that he'd be in 1 Samuel 30. Never thought the day would ever come when everything that he loved was taken away, where even the people that had pledged their support to him would not be around to do that. They would instead be threatening his very life. But God, he was able to stand up and encourage himself. God, I pray that every single person, Lord, will hear your voice saying, come on, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. That every single person that's a part of this service will hear your voice right now. Maybe not as an audible voice, but they'll hear it on the inside saying, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm there for you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to help you. God, would you help us every day? Because most of us, Lord, no matter how clever we are, we're not smart enough to do this journey on our own. That's why, Lord, I believe it says in Psalm 23 that the same Lord who's my shepherd in verse 1 is there with me in verse 4. He's there walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death, pointing me to the place that you've prepared for me on the other side. You're there in the easy times. You're there in the worst times, but you're also there ready in the victory times as well. So, Father, I pray for these people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your help and for your strength. God, I, I could never be there for every single person, but you can be there by your Holy Spirit. Help them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I encourage you? Let us know what your prayer needs are. We've got a great team of people that pray here at Metro, and they not only pray once, they'll keep praying for you day by day. Contact us at prayer at metrochurch.org.au. That's prayer at, symbol at, metrochurch.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you're going through. We'd love to make sure we're praying for you. And by the way, let us know when that answer comes and you begin to find the strength of God for you. We would love to be a part of celebrating with you what God is doing. It's been one of my greatest joys as a pastor to be able to hear and see the strength that God brings into people's life. Before I go, though, I also know that in every one of these times we have together, there's always people who go, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. I meet people all the time nowadays who've never been to church. It's not like they knew God and wandered away from him. There's certainly some of them, but for many people, it's almost as though they had never, ever known that you could come into a personal relationship with Christ that would be amazing. There's, the Bible doesn't talk about born again because it's trying to give us a, a new religious cliche. It's like a meme that's going to go viral or something or other like that. That's not what it's about. Jesus said it because he was trying to illustrate to Nicodemus, the man who'd asked him the question, who was a religious leader, by the way. He said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus couldn't grasp it because he was like trying to think of how is such a thing even possible. Jesus was trying to say, Nicodemus, it's not about keeping the rules and the regulations and its code of behaviors. It's like a brand new life. The verse I referred to earlier, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creature. 
old things have passed away and all things have become new. That's more than some kind of religious cliche. I've seen this happen hundreds, if not thousands of times now, where someone gives their yes to Jesus, puts their trust in him, and their life changes. I was only thinking the other day about a man that I got to pray with in his home. I knelt beside his chair. He'd been diagnosed with a hugely serious illness. And I I said to him, will you put your trust in Christ? And he said, yes, I want to. Now, I'm not sure that everybody that knew him wasn't thinking that maybe he was just being polite. But then I'll never forget his adult son said to me a couple of weeks after that, he said, you know, my dad profoundly changed from that moment on. Something supernatural happened in him. He really got changed by that simple act. There was no great crowd. There was no great music playing. It was simply a man saying yes to Jesus. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are right now, whatever situation you're in, you can say yes to Christ and he's listening to you, even if you're the only person in the space where you are right now. You might be at the beach, you might be in your home, maybe you're the only one there. But he's waiting for you to bring your yes to him. If you'll do that, we'd love to help you. And we'd love to help you by sending you every day a Bible verse, a different one every day, and a prayer, a different one every day. We send people a prayer, not because you need to read prayers, but for a lot of people, they don't know how to start. And so we'll help you begin with that and send you a verse that'll encourage you. So many people have said to me that this thing they get every day was like God speaking to them every day of their life. You can get it via text if you're in Australia, simply by texting YES to 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get it via email, then go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Yes.metrochurch, it's up there on the screen for you. And if you would do that, if you're with us at Metro Online, then just click on the yes button. It'll be our joy to be able to help you and encourage you. We won't ask you for anything. We'll certainly never write and ask you for money. We just want to be a part of your journey with Jesus and help you. So can I pray for you? I know there's lots of you right there right now and you need to say yes to Jesus. Then let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's a part of this service. Thank you for their openness and their willingness to allow you to touch their life. I pray, God, for each one of them. I pray that you will supernaturally touch their life. Let them know that you're there for them. As they say yes to you right now, Jesus, I'm saying yes to trusting you for my life and my future. I know, Lord, you'll come into their life and bring that profound change that only you can bring. Begin to build them, begin to lead them, begin to guide them and walk with them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of Grow, our second session. I'll be back next month with another session on Grow that I know is going to help you. I'll be speaking about guidance and about how you can know the will of God for your life. A lot of people are confused about that. They're not really sure of, you know, how they uh, can possibly have God that close and personal, but he wants to be for their life. In the meantime, of course, make sure you join us. Faith, Hope and Love will be coming up in a couple of weeks on that first Sunday of 
uh, February. We'd love you to join with us there. And then Metro Life, of course, is beginning to happen right through January and then February. So God bless you in every way that you get to be able to be a part of services with us. We hope that if ever you're in Perth, you'll come and join us and say hi. It'd be great. God bless you. Thank you for joining with us.